0: Hi guys, and welcome back to Note to Self with Peyton Sarton. That is me, I'm Peyton Sarton. If I sound even raspier and having like a deeper voice than normal, it's because I am coming out of having the gnarliest sinus infection ever. So I went back home to Texas for Halloween to spend it with friends. Joe also met me there. And I don't know what it is about Texas. I just have the worst allergies in Texas. And I forgot that when I lived there for, you know, ages 12 to 18, uh, oh no, 12 to 22, I had the worst sinus infections constantly, especially like in college. And I have had a doctor tell me it's because my nose isn't straight. I used to be a competitive cheerleader and I got l- knocked out. <laughs> like once or twice. And then I also have multiple concussions And I also get hit in the face so much because I was a back spot for those of you who are familiar. And I also never let like a stunt go down. So I'd rather catch someone with my face than her hit the ground. And that was great and noble at the time. But now my nose is like a little bit sideways. And I had an allergist tell me that I needed to get that fixed because uh, my nose wasn't draining properly. So I get, like, these crazy sinus infections. I'm so scared, though, because I don't know what that surgery looks like. And one, I don't have fucking time to, like, have a surgery and then recover like that. I know it's, like, kind of an intense surgery to get your nose done. Two, I don't want anyone to fuck up my nose. Like, I don't have a problem with my nose. So, like, I just – I'm really nervous about, like, getting – I is it a deviated septum? I don't know. I have no idea what that means, actually. But anyways – Now, after this last sinus infection, I am truly considering trying to figure out how to get the surgery. I don't know, like, what the downtime is for it, but my job is to, like, take photos and be in video. So how am I supposed to do that with black eyes and a swollen face for, like, months? Because I know I'll be swollen forever. I'm so sensitive to that stuff. Anyways, if I sound crazy, that's why. Because I am suffering Yesterday, I tried to do the whole like holistic thing. I was taking the oregano oil. I was doing all the things. Also, oregano oil, I'm pretty sure, is an antiviral. It's an antibiotic. And I had a bacterial infection. So that didn't help much. When I tell y'all I couldn't go anywhere, like I couldn't walk to CVS or Whole Foods, which is where I'd normally go here downtown, without like just so much stuff coming out of my nose everywhere. Like I was walking around with. Uh, Kleenex in my pocket. I I was that person. I looked like ass and I felt bad because I feel like everyone's just like, we're all on our toes about sickness right now. I definitely didn't have COVID. I got a rapid test and I also didn't have a fever or any kind of chest pain. It was literally just my face was about to explode. (laughs) So anyways, yesterday I, I tried all the things. I did the freaking creation juice cleanse I paid $70 for that bullshit it actually was great it was a great cleanse the junk cleanse from creation if you have like if you went on a trip and you ate a bunch or like you just kind of are off the junk cleanse really cleansed me out in that way didn't really help with the sickness I tried all the holistic things and and the you know the last hour the pharmacy was open, I called my doctor because I can do like a virtual appointment. And I was like, please give me some antibiotics. And literally in the last 30 minutes, that the pharmacy was open. I was sitting there just like covered in snot. <laughs> Y'all, I, I honestly thought I was going to pass out. I literally was like, there's no way I can stand up anymore than I already am. Um, I was waiting on that that prescription. And this morning when I woke up after having taken the first, you know, pill of my antibiotics last night, I woke up, first of all, I slept through the night, which was was great. And I also woke up like totally, I wouldn't say totally fine. I still feel like ass. I have a heavy combo of so much water and green juice and a coffee because I got to get shit done today um, next to me right now. (laughs) But those antibiotics... (sighs) Western medicine. I hate to love it. I really hate to love it y'all. I like to be holistic in all the ways, but this, these antibiotics, they really changed my life today. I don't feel great. I still am like having my Kleenex next to me. I, I have some Kleenex next to me now. And I have like my little paper bag that I'm throwing all my used Kleenexes in. <laughs> this has this my, been my best friend for the last 24 hours. So things aren't going well, but I really wanted to do this episode, obviously, and I'm literally recording this on Wednesday morning. Hopefully my editor can get it to me (laughs) and we'll be all good to go live tomorrow. But I really wanted to get this episode up because I asked you guys if you had specific questions for me and you guys sent in so many good questions, both on my personal Instagram account and on the note to self Instagram account. And I really wanted to talk about some of those. One thing I also wanted to note is the note to self Instagram account, y'all. What the fuck? Do you realize when I started blogging Six years ago, it took me like mm, a year at least to reach ten thousand followers on Instagram. I might, be, I maybe had like four hundred posts. Like I don't remember, but it was it was a lot. It took a lot to get to ten k. That was a huge milestone for me. Let's look at the note to self Instagram right now. And I don't even post it that much on my personal. What happened was I had some reels go viral because of the way that I do the reels and just some of the information on them. And, you know, people were commenting good and bad things, which also helps it go viral. Anyways, 19 posts and I have 14.4 thousand followers on the NTS by PS Instagram. What the fuck? It's 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 nice and I like it, but also I'm like, what the fuck? Like, where was this kind of... <laughs> excitement when I was slaving over my Instagram for the first year, honestly, six years that I've done it so far. These reels, man, if you're not making reels on your Instagram, everyone says it, but it's so real that you should be making reels. So anyways, I asked you guys on the note to self Instagram as well. And you guys gave me some really good questions. So I'm going to take some pauses in here to blow my nose. James, will you please cut them out? (laughs) My editor, honestly, my editor James, you can leave this in. I don't rely on a lot of people in this world, okay? Because everyone fails me. People aren't very reliable. James, a man who I've never met, I've only talked to him via the internet, is the most reliable, besides Joe, literally the most reliable person that I know. I He, he just gets it done. He gets the job done excellently and quickly, and I, I'm always like, you know, James isn't going to pull out, pull it out this time. James is going to be, he's going to slip up one time. He never slips up. James is literally the best. So shout out to James. <laughs> he's, he's the real one. He's the real person I've never met beside behind NTS pod that makes it happen. <laughs> so James, you can edit out the sneezes though. <laughs> and the blowing of the nose, like this is going to happen. All right. All right. So I'm going to go ahead just and jump into these questions in typical me form. We're doing this on the fly. I did not really go through the questions and pick some out specifically. I did skim through and I saw some good ones. So I'm just going to go through and answer these to the best of my ability. I'm noticing lately that a lot of people kind of have a plan for their podcast and they kind of like scripted even. No, I'm not doing that quite yet. (laughs) We're not there. All right. So this is a question I get a form of regularly and it's how did you know what you wanted to do with your life? And I think this is an important question because I went to a big Texas state school for college. They really try to make you think, and I guess some people do think this way, that you need to know what you need to do to do with your life at from 18 to 22, before I even went to college, I had to choose my major, obviously, and they made it really ridiculously hard to change my major at my school, at least. I did want to change my major from political science to journalism once I saw my school was offering that, because they hadn't at first when I first applied to go to school there, and they made it literally impossible. I was going to have to stay at school for longer, et cetera, et cetera. So I stayed with politics. I I currently have a degree in political science and a minor in sociology that minor in sociology got me by though. Those classes were super interesting and I did enjoy that. Anyways, so you you have to commit to this at such a young age. And I did not know what I wanted to do with my life. I, I decided I wanted to be a blogger once I tried it out. Uh, I was 21. I started a blog to get an internship and I really enjoyed blogging. I'm at, naturally just at heart a writer. So that was really natural for me. The blog was, and I enjoyed myself and I didn't really mean to turn it into a job at first. I remember the night, though, that I called my mom. I was a senior in college. I had gone back to college for my last year, and I was like, you know what? I know what I want to do with my life. I want to move out to Los Angeles. I want to become a fashion blogger because at that point I had interned in L.A., and I had seen what fashion bloggers were doing out here, and already I knew girls out here five years ago, six years ago, who were making millions of dollars as fashion bloggers because me on the PR side, I was paying attention to them. So when I was interning in PR, I mean, Uh, so I was like, holy shit, what the, what is going on? Uh, This is what I want to do with my life. I'm no longer going to fucking law school. Are you kidding me? I'm going to have freedom and do my own thing and, you know, make a lot of money. So I remember calling my mom one evening and telling her this is what I wanted to do. And I literally broke down on the phone. Like I was crying, sobbing because it felt so right. But fast forward six years, my job has completely changed. And I started a company that I love and I wish I had more time, honestly, to put to, and hopefully in the near future, I will have that time. But my point being is I had this moment of clarity, what I wanted to do with quote my life. Right. And honestly, that lasted six years. And now I wanna do something else. So I always look, some of the best advice I got in terms of career, if we're talking about that aspect of wanting to know what to do in your life, um, is to look at your career like a jungle gym and not a ladder. And I think a lot of times the way that we are as a society, at least here in America and probably elsewhere, but I'm not from elsewhere, so I can't speak on that, is that you gotta move up this ladder and you gotta know exactly what you wanna do and start at the bottom and move up and up and up and up. So far, you know, I've just pictured my career as a jungle gym. If I want to switch gears, I just start putting the feelers out there and learning what I want to do and how I can switch gears. For example, this company that I started, I would like to do a lot less Instagram. Right now, Instagram is my bread and butter. That's where I make the most money. So I'm going to have to keep doing that for a while and trying to find ways to enjoy it um, while I'm building up a company that hopefully one day can be my you know, number one source of income. I'm completely switching gears and I'm only 27. So uh, I don't think it's really important to know what you need to do with your life. I think it's more important to know what you enjoy and just start doing things. So start at a job that you like right now. It doesn't need to be something that you're going to like for the rest of your entire life. Go do something where you can learn some skills, pick up some new skills, and... Um, and make connections and then keep moving forward. And when you find out that you want to pivot or you learn something new that you want to do, start moving in the direction of pivoting that way. You know what I mean? Uh, I feel like we just kind of put pressure on ourselves to know at a young age what we want to do with our entire lives when really we're probably going to change our career paths a little bit over time. And that's totally normal. And again, I truly think that looking at your career like a jungle gym rather than a ladder is such an important perspective uh, with which to view it. Okay, so this girl asks, how do you work towards a life together with my boyfriend, Joe, without feeling like you're sacrificing your own life? So I think here's the thing. I, as many of you know, I know a lot of you kind of discovered this podcast through my single life episode and my episodes more surrounding that topic. I did not picture myself ever being in a serious relationship, honestly. When I say that, I didn't, it's not that I didn't think it was going to happen to me. It just hadn't happened to me yet. So I didn't even know what that looked like. And I couldn't have, I couldn't imagine compromising my life for another person. I was literally like, there's no fucking way. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, it's not happening. Right. I've worked so hard and given up the majority of my twenties to make my ha- life happen here in a place that makes me really happy. Obviously LA has its bad stuff and I've had bad moments here, but overall, like LA has given me the freedom to figure out who I am and to be who I am. And at some point, obviously Joe's job, Joe plays professional baseball and he plays in the major league. So, you know, I realized that moving forward, If we're going to make our relationship work, we will have to move in together eventually. Joe cannot leave the city he plays in, in terms of like where he lives, for six months out of the year. The season is six months out of the year. Two months before the season, he's actually in Florida, and he's got to be at practice every single day in Florida for spring training. So that's eight months out of the year that his job takes literally every single day of his life. Even when they have off days, he still goes in and works out and all that stuff. So his job takes a lot out of him. And together, if we're going to move forward as a unit, I just look at it like we're going to have to do what's best for the unit. Right. And right now, obviously, he's a Major League Baseball player. He's a pitcher. He's really good. He makes more money than I do right now. If I made more money than him we'd be talking about him sacrificing where he lives to come live with me. On the other hand, my job can be done anywhere and I love LA. um, So I'm, it's going to be hard to come to terms with that obviously, but I do realize that relationships now take sacrifice and they take compromise. And it's all about if I'm willing to compromise X, Y, and Z and sacrifice X, Y, and Z for the good of the relationship. And we're both going to have to do that. Joe's going to have to do that in some ways, and I'm going to have to do that in some ways. And I do understand now that I am totally in love with someone and that I totally trust someone. I can so see myself building a future with this man, which is why I'm with him. I can see now almost the beauty in that. I think it definitely still hurts in a lot of ways. And it's definitely going to be really hard for me to start sacrificing parts of my life to fit into his. But at the same time, he's going to have to do the same for me in a lot of ways as well. So I just have to come to terms with it. So when we're working towards a life together, I think it's just about compromising the things. That I feel comfortable compromising for the good of our relationship. And there's more to come on that for sure. We're going to see how this all unfolds with him and I in the next year or so, because there's going to be a lot of change, I think, and we're really going to be bringing our lives together in that way. I always told him, like, I am not interested in getting engaged to anyone unless I live with them for a little while, because I need to know, like, I'm just so thorough, <laughs> And I'm a romantic. I am in love and all these things, but I'm also so logical that like, I need to make sure things work out. So anyways, moving in that direction, this is a really big, you know, moving in together will be a really big thing. And it's just going to take, you know, being comfortable with sacrifice on both sides. Really, that's all I have to say. <laughs> so the next question says, how do you know that you're in the right relationship and that you're not settling or trying to feel comfortable? I think this is easy for me just because, like I said, I I thought I was going to be alone forever, and I was prepared for that, and it wasn't, again, in a sad way. I literally was just like, I live my life, I'm so focused on what I'm doing all the time that boys men were always just kind of like a weekend fun thing to do so knowing that that was my mindset I wasn't ever trying to like slot someone into a role I wasn't thinking like oh I need a boyfriend let me find someone who's kind of good enough to fit there you know I feel like even the guys I dated before joe guys that i honestly wasn't super sexually attracted to they were just such amazing people that i was like why would i not have this person in my life as much as possible and obviously without that chemistry on that side things fall apart but i i just genuinely like to surround myself with people that i feel lucky being around and when i met joe and i talked about in the episode about manifesting joe how exactly he matched uh, not only what I wanted in a person, but how I wanted to feel. And he has made me feel that way since the day that I met him um, a year and a half ago. No, oh, more than a year and a half ago. Uh, I don't even remember when that was. Mar- May 2020. So I, I know that I'm in the right relationship because I consistently feel loved. I feel empowered. I feel really beautiful around him. Even if I'm disgusting, (laughs) I feel not judged and I feel really safe and secure and taken care of. And I'm not worried about him. Of course, I, you know, I trust him as much as I'll trust any other person on the earth. You never really, really, really know someone and what they're going to do in every situation, but I trust him as much as I possibly could trust another person. And I just had to make a decision to do so. I'm just, I know myself, I'm not a person to settle because again, I think being alone, being single is a great time and it's an amazing adventure. And if I was single right now, I'd be moving to New York and then moving to Paris and doing all these fun things. So, I know me and I know I'm not settling because it's just not in my nature. I don't settle for my job. I don't settle for my friends. I don't settle for uh, men at all. It's just not me. Sometimes in my life that hasn't been good (laughs) because I'm always wanting better and better and better. But when I find it, I do sit with it for a while. So with Joe... I just feel really, really lucky to be with him. And I know he feels the same uh, about me. So I know that it's the right relationship because there's that intuitive side of me that just feels right, which has never happened to me before in a relationship. All right. So I have a lot of questions about making friends in a new city, moving to a new city, etc. So this one girl says, I'm moving from Los Angeles to New York City as a single girl. Advice for moving to a new city. All right. Y'all know New York city is my soul. Okay. I love Los Angeles so much. This place symbolizes work to me. It makes me really productive. I am social here, but only on the weekends. I just, I love it for work. There's something about this place that makes me work really hard, but New York city is possibly my favorite city in the entire world. I love the energy. I feel like I'm more social there. I'm just like more a part of a community there. So, I think specifically moving to New York or any big city like that, you know, go there and dive into work for sure because it gives you something to do. Also, there's so many amazing things to do for fun in New York uh, that both involve drinking and not drinking. Obviously, museums are. My fave. There's so many good museums there. Going on dates is really fun in New York because they're quick and easy. And I feel like everyone should have that experience if you live in New York and just like dating around. I feel like it's such a part of the culture there. It's not so much here in Los Angeles, but in New York, I I know it definitely is. And it seems like really fun and light and like just easy. I think if you're a single girl, making friends with other single girls is really important. I have friends, I've always had friends that are in relationships or even married. Most of my really good friends from home were married pretty young. So I have friends from all over the map. It was it was so important for me socially as a single girl here in Los Angeles was making friends with single girls. And that just took me going out with one or two friends that I already had, meeting their friends, like... Hang out with people that I work with. Obviously my job is weird and being an influencer. There's like, there's a social at- component to it that kind of makes it easy to make friends in our little group. Uh, so I, I did that. I made friends with a lot of different influencers and I had a lot of good single friends. And I think that we had so much fun socially, like on the weekends and stuff, as well as time together during the week, shooting and working together and all that stuff. I also think you should just explore if you're in a big city, especially a city like New York, just explore, like go eat at the cool places. It doesn't have to be like expensive places, right? There's some places that are just like staples in New York, go get the freaking New York slice. I I just, I think that you need to fill your time with exploration um, in all the ways with friends, with men, with food, with just like the cultural aspects of the city. And you're going to have such a good time, like learning about New York and doing all the things. Okay, so this girl says, uh, I need a pep talk about confidence and how to be confident in yourself when you don't feel it at times. Obviously, this happens to everybody. For me, a huge thing, there's a couple things. I like to read a lot and I really like to get on Pinterest and look at quotes about confidence from some of my favorite authors. They're a little bit more like nihilistic like nothing matters kind of vibes. And that always brings me comfort for some reason. Like when I realize that nothing matters, I realize it doesn't fucking matter if I'm confident or not. And it doesn't it doesn't matter what I look like or what I'm doing, honestly, because we're all gonna die. So that's genuinely (laughs) how I view life. I'm honestly pretty detached as a person. And as much as I attach myself to some people and some things and causes and my work and all these things, I I also realize like that we're on a floating rock in space and I'm just a teeny little person and nothing that I do really matters in this world. And again, it sounds so negative, but it's it makes me feel really free and it makes me realize that it doesn't fucking matter. So I read a lot of things like that and it gives me a lot of inspiration to just do whatever the hell I want because it, it doesn't matter. Another thing I really like to do is just you fake it till you make it. That's one of, some of the best advice I've ever gotten in my life. And you just have to decide that you're going to be confident today. Even if you don't feel it, you don't need motivation to be confident. You just decide. Take your brain, decide, and say, I'm fucking confident today. I'm the fucking best. And I don't care what anyone says, like, genuinely. And even if I'm feeling disgustingly ugly today, I am the most powerful person I know. And I I honestly too, like lean on my skills that I actually am confident in. But again, fake it till you make it. That's the most important thing. If you don't feel confident, pretend. It's like that thing where if you, even if you're like upset or like not happy, if you smile, it does trick your brain for like a second to think that you're happy. Like, it's kind of like that. Just fake it until you make it. So this girl says, why do you guys ask for your number at a bar and and they don't follow up? How do you not get your hopes up? Again, detachment. I think that detachment can be unhealthy in certain ways, but I also think that, detachment is good in some ways, right? Like nothing is going to harm your peace because it's not about you. So detach, have your happiness all about you, have your happiness come from within yourself. And so when the guy who asked for your number at the bar doesn't call you, it doesn't fucking matter because you're already happy and you didn't need him to call you anyways. Honestly, that's not even something that I think about. If I give my number to a guy at a bar, when I was single, I honestly wouldn't even think twice about giving him my number or if he called or didn't. Like, I just, I don't care, to be honest. And I don't know if that's a me thing or if that's just I like, got to a point where I just don't care. There's another quote that I have read. Can you tell I like just the words of other people who are smarter than me to like make me feel good? <laughs> I forgot who said it. But again, this is on my Pinterest. I will link that quotes board in the show notes where um, you guys can find me on Pinterest, Peyton Sartin. And look at my quotes board. It has like 6,000 pins, literally, because this is used to be even in high school, like my lifeline. But someone, a quote that I read said, being okay if it happens and okay if it doesn't is a very powerful place to be. And I always think about that. I think that's truly just like detachment from an outcome and just being okay, no matter what. Um, And I truly live and breathe that. I embody it. Freaking write that on your mirror and look at it every single day. That's to me is true confidence is being okay. If something happens and okay. If something doesn't happen. Okay. So this girl says, how do you balance focusing on yourself in a long distance relationship? I need help. So Joe and I have a bit of a schedule. Uh, I work all day. We'll text sometimes throughout the day if we like find a funny TikTok or like want to say something to each other. Uh, it's not like off limits or banned, but he's doing stuff all day too. He's got PT right now because he's in the off season and he's really focused on working out and getting ready for the next season to make sure he's healthy and all good. So he does that. He's also taking <laughs> he does random stuff in the off season because he has so much extra time. He likes he likes to take classes on like finance and stuff like that. Which is part of the reason why I love him. He like he likes to be busy and he also likes to just improve himself in general. So all that being said, we work and we work and we do things all day and then we talk in the evening times. Usually we're in different time zones. Usually he's three hours ahead of me in time. So I'll usually talk to him around dinner time when I'm making dinner, eating dinner. So we just have a schedule that allows me to live my life and keep things balanced um, because I have had to realize obviously that relationships do take time and care. And, uh, both of us really like the quality time, you know, love language, I guess we're, we're both quality time people. It's my first one. It's his second one actually. So we know that's really important to us and we schedule that in. So I think a good way to balance is make sure that you're giving yourself the time that you need for the majority of the day and giving your relationship, if it's long distance, the time it needs, whether that's at the end of the day, middle of the day, you know, beginning of the day, whatever works for you guys in your schedules, making sure that you make that person a priority at some point in your day to spend a little bit of time and talk about your day um, has been really, really important in us keeping this long distance relationship alive and well for the past year and a half. All right. So this next question might be somewhat of a controversial answer, but like, you know, I got to be honest. So this girl says, what can I do if anytime I go out with my friends, I feel like the ugly friend. Ha ha. So this is an interesting question because... I live in Los Angeles, California. Before I lived in Los Angeles, I went to a big state school in Texas where I could recognize that I was very attractive overall, right? I moved to Los Angeles and my whole life I was that way. I was a model when I was younger. I could tell, not in a cocky way, but someone I re- registered at 10 years old, 10 to 15, that these big companies were paying me to look the way that I was born looking, and I always, I I always thought of it logistically like that. I was literally ten, being like, "This is so fucking weird," but that was tangible evidence that I was attractive to me. I was like, "Wow, I, I now I believe I'm pretty." Because when your mom tells you you're pretty, you're like, "Cool, I'm." You, you gave me these jeans, so whatever. Like, I don't believe you. But when, and when the world treats you like you're pretty, you just assume everyone gets treated like that. When someone starts paying you, like really good money to look the way you look, you're like, okay, I understand now logically this makes sense. And I do now believe that I'm pretty. (laughs) It took that much for me to realize that about myself. So I always felt pretty, right? I moved to Los Angeles. I started hanging around friends in my category, influencers, models, things like that. People here, whether they purchased it or not, are beautiful in a lot of ways. So no longer is my identity being pretty because I'm just like everyone else. So it, you kind of become, you know, not quote the ugly friend, but you just realize that being beautiful, isn't that important Um, and it's something that I put my identity and a lot and leaned on a lot when I was younger. And now, because it can't be my identity in a place like this, because I'm not nearly the most beautiful, um, around me literally at all times, I just realized how much more powerful I feel when I'm not leaning on beauty. When I lean on things like intelligence or just being curious about other people's lives or just being the person who ha- who's having a really good time, I feel like I attract much better people. Not only men, but just like friends in my life. Another thing to say: beauty is it. Everyone has a different idea of what it is. So maybe you feel like the ugly friend, but you're probably not. Probably not. To a lot of people, you're probably the most beautiful. So that's another thing to think of. Like beauty is kind of in the eye of the beholder. And whether you're registering that you're the ugly friend or not, again, fake it till you make it. Confidence is wonderful. Also second, you know, realize that beauty isn't everything. Again, I feel much more powerful when I don't lean on that. When I, when I, I feel the most beautiful when I'm just being myself. I might not be the most beautiful in the room again, because that does not happen to me in Los Angeles. Everyone is beautiful around me at all times. But when I lean on intelligence and happiness and having a good time, I feel stunning and I feel radiant. And I think that definitely shows. And I think that people find me more beautiful when I'm in that in that zone. So there's a lot of power in I don't want to call it the ugly friend because that seems so harsh, but there's a lot of power in being not the most beautiful naturally. If you can just lean on your pure beauty and that's what you have to offer, oftentimes I feel like you don't look inside yourself and find the other amazing, beautiful things that you have to offer that are a lot of times better because your beauty is going to fade. All these other things will stay. Your radiance will stay. Your confidence will stay. Intelligence, things like that. um, Things that make you really interesting. So if you feel like the ugly friend. One, realize that you're just not, okay? <laughs> you're just not. There are people in the world who find you beautiful, just like all of us. You can be the most beautiful person in the entire room and there's going to be some people in that room who don't find you beautiful. That's just the, the fact. So if you feel like the ugly friend, realize logistically you probably aren't because beauty is in that eye of the beholder. Two, if you're feeling ugly and you just can't get over the fact that today you're having an ugly day or you're feeling ugly, all right? lean on your good qualities. Stop worrying so much about being beautiful because it doesn't fucking matter, right? You can find beauty in so many different things about a person. I have friends that I feel like aren't conventionally beautiful, but to me, they're the most beautiful people in the room because they just are radiant and they light up a room and they're so themselves that you're just attracted to them, right? It doesn't take just strictly only beauty to be an attractive person. So lean on your good qualities. Lean on curiosity. Be curious in other people's lives. Um, Lean on adventure and happiness and all these other things. And I think that you're going to feel beautiful no matter what. So this girl says, thank you for normalizing being single. Then she asks, do you have any tips on how to leave a relationship you know isn't right? I mean, I am pretty impulsive, right? I'm also I do things, you know, using my intuition as my guide a lot. And I also really, really value time. I'm really noticing that time is so important. Time for myself and time with others is so important, the people that I care about. So I just don't have time for all the bullshit, right? If it's not right, it's gonna leave my life and I'm I I just do it. You just cut it off. And I know I have a lot of friends that who are like this, it's it's really difficult for them to leave relationships. And one big thing I will say that might get through to people who find this problem is if you know you're in the wrong relationship, right? You are now taken in investing your time that you can never get back in a relationship that you know is incorrect. What if the right guy comes along right now? You wouldn't notice him. You wouldn't see him. You're so engulfed in this relationship that you know and your and your core is not correct. You're gonna miss anyone good who comes into your life right now. So if you're a person who, let's say, is a little less independent in that sense, you know you like to have a boyfriend, you know you like to be in relationships. I think looking at it that way is is more helpful. I don't promote that kind of way of thinking. I know some people are like that more naturally. I just I, I think independence is the best thing in the entire world. I think being alone is the best thing in the entire world. I I think that jumping from relationship to relationship is not great. I think that you need to think clearly and figure out what you want and what you like. But I also know that I'm not the end all be all on that opinion. Like some people are just different than me. And though I don't understand that way of being, it doesn't mean it's like wrong. Like who am I to say that's wrong? You know what I mean? But if you need to look at it that way, like for example, before I was talking to Joe, I was talking to a couple guys, but there was one guy in particular that was like a friend and uh, we were talking for like a year, like very shallow level talking, right? And sometimes I'd find myself getting frustrated by his actions or just like his inaction really. And it just didn't feel right or natural literally ever. It always felt just like he was kind of like an exciting person to like see when I went out and stuff like that. But had I been really focused on that, on that non-relationship um, and on that talking situation, I would have never seen Joe when he came along. It would have been so easy for me to pass him up had I given so much time and effort and really committed to a relationship that wasn't a relationship. So look at it that way. Your life is waiting to be lived. And if you know that the one you're currently in, the things you're currently doing are not right and you know it's not good for you, you have to get out of it. You owe it to yourself to get out of that because your other life, the one you're supposed to be living, is waiting to be lived. And the more you put it off and put it off, it's just sitting there waiting and all these good things in your, in that life are passing you by because you're more comfortable in the relationship that you're in right now because it's what you know, even though you know it's not the right one. So my deal is, get impulsive, fucking move on, figure it out, break up with them. You know what's wrong intuitively, even if they're a good person and whatever, if you know what's wrong for you, you have to do that for you and you have to leave. And I always tell people that, though I know it's so much easier said than done for a lot of people. That's the only advice I can give you because I just, I honestly, I've been in those situations not for a long time, like I would say like maybe one to two months And then I would pull the trigger and end it. So it's time to pull the trigger, dude. If you're asking me this question, it is time to pull the trigger. (laughs) All right. So this girl says, do you like living in downtown Los Angeles? I'm hesitant, but thinking of moving there because I want to live in a nicer building. All right. So here's the T on downtown LA. Let's talk about it. I moved to downtown LA because I was moving out of my old apartment in the middle of COVID. And I was looking for new apartments. People were moving out of Los Angeles. So anyone I wanted to room with was like leaving LA or there were people I just didn't want to live with. So when I was looking for apartments and getting really real about them, I realized obviously that the Valley up in like Studio City and stuff like that had really good apartments for cheaper, which is where I wanted to live actually. And then I got set up with my current roommate, Taylor TK. And She has always lived downtown. She explained to me that she always wants to live downtown. So it it forced me to look at buildings downtown. I walked into my current building and I was like, holy shit, I want to live here so bad. The vibe was just great. Like there's some really amazing buildings downtown for cheaper. I would say a building like mine in Century City, which is where I used to live right next to Beverly Hills, is more than double the price. So downtown is cheaper. The buildings are nicer. I will say inside my building, I've never felt safer in a place. I've never felt safer in the building. Security is amazing. You have to go jump through all of these hoops to get to my unit. It's just like so safe. And expensive still because it's Los Angeles, but less expensive than like Beverly Hills would be for the same building. But let's talk about downtown LA. Because here's some of the things that have happened to me since I've lived here for a year and a half. The first weekend I moved here, the first week I moved here, I was laying in bed. I was sleeping. I was still sleeping on like a a blow up mattress because I hadn't got my mattress yet. And 2am, I hear just uh, automatic weapons going off downstairs. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? I like lean over the side because I live on like the 30th floor, but uh, there's like a parking lot close to me. And there's also another building that's like mega expensive okay to live in but there's always crazy stuff happening <laughs> near it and I can see it I can see the building for my unit so I I look downstairs and of course the sound of bullets and air gunshots uh when you're in a city really like echoes on all the concrete buildings so it's so loud and I'm like what the fuck is that okay and I look over the side I see people like scattering Jesus Christ um no one got shot though it was just like some kind of gang affiliated violence. Um, It was more of like a warning sign to whoever was staying at the building at the time. Three days later, it happens again. (laughs) Mind you, this is all at two in the morning. I've seen someone right after they got stabbed. I was walking home from my office and this man was like on the ground holding his stomach and like bleeding. And I was like, I mean, I don't react to anything. I also don't think that being crazy in that situation is helpful. So I was like, do you need like the police? Do you need an ambulance? And he said, no police. And he said, no ambulance. I'm sitting there like, what the, everyone's just walking around. I'm like, okay, well, okay. His friends are there like just staring at him. So I walked down the street, obviously, and got a cop because this man is like bleeding um, on the street. And I I assume something went into him. Someone stabbed him, but also he could have like slipped and like just gotten surgery and like popped a, stitch or something but it was looking very much like a stabbing cuz that happens sometimes. What else has happened recently? Oh, I I like to go to a CVS down the street and three people got shot there the other day in the evening time. My citizen app just like goes crazy, I will say. Oh, someone got shot at the Shell station down the street, the only gas station that we have. And I'm telling you guys, this is with all within the last month, all these shootings. The first the first two shootings were In the first week that I lived here, there was a brief hiatus. I think it was during COVID really. The other day I woke up at like three in the morning and I saw these cop cars down on the street below me. And I, I like looked over the window and I saw this man in a spotlight, like laying on the ground and all the cops had their guns pulled and like were like trying to arrest him. Obviously they did arrest him. He didn't get shot or anything like that. Thank God. I will say a lot of the times people, there's like shootings and stuff. It's not successful and people don't die. There's only a couple of times that's happened. Uh, anyways, most of this stuff happens at nighttime. And I will say as much as we have a problem with like the transient people who live downtown, very few times has any of this been about or because of transient people, um, AKA homeless people. I think transient is like the more politically correct term now, honestly, in my opinion, they've been completely harmless. I've lived side by side with them since I've lived here in in downtown. That's gonna happen too, if you live in even West Hollywood, Santa Monica is rot with uh, people living on the streets. Hollywood is possibly the scariest place in Los Angeles right now. It really freaks me out. Like I would not live in Hollywood. So there's a lot about downtown LA that yes, I understand is really scary, for me, a lot of the violence is gang affiliated and gang related and it's very specifically targeted. And for some reason, that doesn't scare me. I think I'm literally going to die every day of my life by these like crazy ways. But for some reason, those things, that part doesn't scare me. I know there's always like getting caught in the crossfire of thing. I know that's always a possibility, but I've lived here for a year and a half. I mean, there's been some crazy stuff that's happened over the course of a year and a half, but it's not like every single day someone's getting shot near me, though it does happen on occasion. So those are the bad things about downtown, obviously. It also doesn't really feel like LA to me, uh, which was kind of the point of me moving down here. I wanted to get out of that whole scene. I wanted to make it harder for me to like go out and do all this stuff and be social in that way because I spent a lot of time going out on the weekends, which is fine, but I wanted to make it a little bit harder for me to like say yes to stuff. And it has made me focus more. I also love my apartment so much. Like this is my favorite apartment I've ever lived in. I love the people who live in my building. There's a lot of people downtown with like a lot of money to spend. Like my building is really nice. And we're definitely like the bottom tier (laughs) driving through the um, garage and looking at the cars and stuff. So there are people downtown who are very successful and Uh, there's really nice things about it as well. I love walking to, in my little neighborhood, I live in a neighborhood called South park. For those of you who want to know more about downtown, I would say this is definitely the safest neighborhood. This is definitely the neighborhood that, uh, they don't allow people to camp on the streets. So it's a little cleaner and it's just more heavily patrolled. There's a separate security, uh, for South park which makes me feel great. And it's just so convenient. I, I drive if I have to go to West Hollywood or something like that. But day to day, I have my Whole Foods, I've got Starbucks, I've got Sweet Green and Shake Shack and Creation Juice and my Pilates place, my boxing's place and Target, Zara, Phil's Coffee, a lot of my favorite like, just independent coffee shops, a lot of restaurants, Sugarfish is down the street, Joey DTLA, Uh, my office is walkable. CVS is walkable. Lots of CVSs are walkable. Um, So it's just a really convenient place to live. Yes, it is dangerous. But also I've seen, I mean, even when I lived in West LA, I saw a number of shootings. I saw the only dead body I've ever seen in my life in West LA actually. And like uh, on the border of Brentwood. And what else? I've been in the middle of like shooting territory where there's like an active shooter on the loose in West Hollywood, like multiple times. There's something always crazy is happening. I mean, it's Los Angeles. So yes, downtown is definitely known for the homeless population that's down here. In my opinion, I've never felt threatened. By them, I feel like I have been maybe yelled at or seen people who look a little bit off. Obviously, um, but they're usually in their own little world and pretty harmless to me. But that's only you know a year and a half in, so that's the tea on downtown. I feel like it sounds bad, and if you don't live in a city like Los Angeles, it sounds really, really, really bad. But it's pretty much par for the course, and I think it's worth it. Uh, If I you know were to sign a new lease soon, it probably would be somewhere a little more expensive because one, I can afford it now and I do miss the feeling of feeling like I'm in Los Angeles though. I think the year and a half I've spent downtown has been transformative and really has like centered me and let me just like get back into work and all that stuff. Plus I love my roommate. TK is amazing. So this girl says, how do you make content when the weather is bad? I mean, part of the reason I live in Los Angeles is because truly the weather is not bad ever. Sometimes we'll have it, it'll be like foggy, but it usually burns off around like noon or one. Like this morning was kind of foggy and it's built it's burning off right now. It's only 10 30 a.m. So I love LA for that reason. I I would assume that's the reason Hollywood is here, because you can film movies and all that stuff like so easily, because it's literally never raining. Um it's also not really ever cold or like way too hot. I'm from Texas, so like I don't know, in the summer it's like 105. It's not like that, at least in like the main part of LA, I feel like the Valley gets a little bit hotter, but part of the reason I live in LA that makes my job so easy is literally because if I need to shoot something, it can always get done that day. But if you live somewhere where it's not like that, I would say definitely uh, find a place indoors with lots of light. I know a lot of my friends will shoot at like parking garages, obviously be safe. They'll shoot places like that, find places with like an awning that has good light where you're covered, but you can still get that natural light. Or if you can shoot in your apartment, I love shooting in my apartment, obviously, but I do have the floor to ceiling windows around the whole thing and the light's always pretty good. I also like shooting in flash and in low light. So like at nighttime, I really like, so if the weather's not great, try some with flash, try some with like the lower light. I always think those are kind of moody and vibey. All right, this one says, what are ways to be a better girlfriend? What are things you do to show Joe you care? I think as cliched as it is, it's really important to know your partner's love languages. And admittedly, he is better at this than I am. I am not usually a super affectionate person. And it's hard for me to understand other people's love languages sometimes because obviously they're not mine. So I'm like, I just don't, it doesn't even come to mind to like compliment someone more. You know what I mean? Because if people compliment me, I'm a little bit, I just like don't like it. Even my friends and like my family, I just like for some reason, and I need to talk about this with my therapist, (laughs) but it makes me uncomfortable. And then I feel weird. Like I just don't want to know that information. And I need to work on that because that's obviously some level of something going on in me. But knowing your partner's love language is important. Joe really is a words of affirmations person. So I have to actively make sure that i am giving him positive reinforcement and telling him good things about himself a lot because i just need he just needs it and that's what he really values so i make sure that i'm really feeding into that love language so that's the biggest way i think for us that we stay connected that's that's the biggest way i show that i'm a good girlfriend i also like to have check-ins with him so i will make sure that we are talking about you know, how we're feeling and I'm pretty good at communicating in that way. So I'll make sure like, Hey, what could I be doing better in our relationship? What do you like that I'm doing in our relationship? I have those kinds of check-ins. I don't really do it like on a, you know, weekly bi-weekly basis. Like it's not like super structured like that, but like whenever I think of it, I'll ask, I think a good way to be a good girlfriend is just asking questions, ask how you can be a better girlfriend. That's, Helped me a lot, and it's super obvious. But actually fulfilling the things that they want and that they need. Uh, Joe knows that he's always kind of like in my thoughts, and I I really do think about when I'm building out my life and my schedule for the month and all this stuff. Like I really think about where he factors in on a day to day basis. I factor him in, and he knows that I like to make myself busy. I like to work all the time, and I know that he feels without me even have to say anything, he knows that like me really planting him in my schedule, um, means that I really love him and I want to make him happy. And he knows that and it makes him feel good too. He also low key loves. I realized li- lately that, uh, I post him on my social media a lot and like, kind of like brag on him. He thinks that that's really cute. So that's why I do it oftentimes because I know it makes him happy and I know it makes him feel special. So that's one way that I do that as well. So this girl asks, when you and Joe move in together, will you still, will you still take yourself out on solo dates? Of course. I, I like being alone and I think, you know, living with a man, it'll be different than living with a roommate. Usually my roommates and I, like, we coexist really well and we have our own lives and we get along great, but we live our own lives, right? But when you live with a man, I'm like, oh God, like we're going to be so intertwined. So it's going to be really extra important for me to make sure I'm getting my alone time. Thankfully, with the nature of Joe's job, there's times where he will go play like three teams. Like they'll be in like New York and then they'll be in Philly and they'll be in Miami and they play like four days in each one. So he'll be gone even when I live with him. If it's during season, he'll be gone a lot. Which, I mean, I think I'll miss him, but also like it'll be nice. And if we're in D.C., we're you know, during that time when he's gone, I can make a trip up to New York and be in New York for like literally two weeks and take myself on a full solo trip. So there will be lots of like solo adventures for me. And I love that for me because he'll be so busy. And it's you know, the good and the bad in dating a baseball player is they're busy all the time. For me, that's good. And for some people, <laughs> that's bad. But it just works out well for me like that. And I think that solo dates will always be a part of my life. Even when I have children, you know, I always just need that time for myself because truly I'm an introvert. So if you are an introvert, please make that time for yourself. So this girl says, how do you balance your job and also being present in your day-to-day life, especially with your boyfriend? Are there times where your boyfriend gets annoyed with you for having to get content? So, This is something I've talked about before. And I think in the beginning, Joe was a little bit like uh, like pictures, like video, whatever. And he was a little bit less like on board with it. But what I had to explain to him is I know Joe. He's always said he has always wanted to be with a woman who has their own life going on. And it can be really hard when Uh, you know, in these baseball players' lives, especially when they play every day for eight months, there is no other sport that plays like that. Football plays 12 games or however many games before the Super Bowl and stuff. I don't know, maybe 16 total. Baseball plays like 160 to 180 or something. That's how many games they have. The season is longer than any other team season or any other sports season. I'm relatively positive. And not only do they play, you know, there's football players play once a week. Baseball players play like four times a week or more. So the level of commitment you have to have when you're dating any athlete, but especially a baseball player, as the wife or the girlfriend, especially if there's children involved, like the guy is never there during the season. And of course, that's the priority for the entire family is that the player is healthy and ready to play because they make good, solid money. So it's worth it at the end, right? So I think feel like people look at, you know, baseball wives, baseball girlfriends is like, oh, like this girl, that girl doesn't have a job. This girl, that girl does all this stuff. It's because you literally like having a job and having children with a baseball player who's actively playing is fucking difficult. Not to mention that like they could go to work one day. You could be living in a city. You could have an apartment there. You could have a house there, whatever it is. Your kids are in school, whatever, wherever you are on the spectrum of this relationship. And they could go to work one day and they could be approached and say, hey, you've been traded to a team across the country. You got to leave tomorrow. And the guy just comes home, you know, gets the stuff he needs, gets on the plane and goes to play in a new city. And now the wife, the girlfriend, whoever is left behind to figure out the moving and uh, all the logistics and the packing and getting from here to there. And it's like, it's insane (laughs) what these people have to do, right? But Joe has always said, I want to be with a woman who has their own thing going on, right? So I'm like, all right, well, when he ever said anything to me about the content or being annoyed with anything, I'm like, listen, you want a woman who can have her own job, but still have the flexibility of someone who doesn't have a job, correct? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, I don't want to hear a fucking peep out of you, okay? Because anyone with a normal job would not be able to come see you when you're able to be seen right? Uh, To sacrifice so much time flying from LA to freaking DC once a month. Uh, That's a full day of work that's down the drain for me. And come to DC, hang out with you for a couple hours a day before and after you go to the field to work out and then sit through a game or play a game. I'm like, these women don't have jobs a lot of the time because they literally can't. Because your schedule takes up so much of their time that they have to sacrifice that part of their life sometimes for the people that they're with. And I'm like, you want that level of flexibility from me and you want me to have a job. I I was like, look me in the face and tell me that makes sense. So I was like the, the way that this can happen, the way you get both of those things is that sometimes you are going to be in my vlogs. Sometimes you're going to rate my fucking outfits. Right. And I'm like, you're going to do this because if you want both of those things, this is how it gets done realistically. Right. And after I said that one time, he was so ashamed (laughs) of thinking any differently. He literally was like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Like you're right. Okay. He's so actively involved. And now I try to make sure that I'm more specific about filming. Like, let's say I go there and I want to film a vlog instead of making it a week long vlog. A lot of the times I will do it. in like one day and I'll say, Hey, today I need you to be in my vlog and focus on this. And he gets it. Also now he's so much more comfortable about content and more comfortable around in the camera, you know? And so he actually doesn't mind it anymore, but we did have to have that conversation because I was like, one, how dare you? <laughs> and two, shut up, right? Like you're going to have to deal with this. And this is something that you have to deal with. I have to deal with flying across the country every five fucking seconds to come see you. And you have to deal with being in my vlog. And not only do you have to be my blog, you have to be an active participant and you need to look like you're having a good time. <laughs> And after that, he actually genuinely has had a good time. I think the more you're in front of a camera, especially with YouTube, you just get more comfortable and realize that like it it doesn't need to be perfect. You don't need to put on a show. You literally just like talk in front of the camera. So he's gotten a lot better at it. And with that, he's gotten more comfortable and it's been easier. All right. I thought this one was a good question. She said, I feel like my depression is holding me back from, from being in a healthy relationship. How do you deal with that? So... I went through a massive depressive episode at 24, like the whole year. And actually it recently happened to me too, but I'm 27 now. Like I said, I went through a depressive episode and I wasn't at all communicative with my partner at the time. I did not tell him what was happening and he didn't understand depression at all. So I felt really embarrassed. and I didn't want to say anything. And it just caused me to be a ghost in that relationship. And I think that it was overall one. I don't think he was the right person for me in general, but overall just made the relationship like not great. And with Joe, I've been very communicative about depression and the things that I deal with. And I've had to approach it with a certain confidence about it rather than being ashamed of it. More just like being like, Hey, this is how it is. Um, This is what happens when I'm depressed. Sometimes it happens. He's never been depressed in his life and he rarely is anxious about anything. So explaining and being very communicative to him and him being responsive to it has been really helpful to maintain my relationship through depression. Because at the end of the day, if I'm going to marry this guy, he's going to see me through bouts of depression for sure. Because I'm currently not on any medication and it's going to happen. And I just have to write it out and I have to be communicative with him and explain to him what's happening so that he, one, doesn't feel offended and doesn't feel ostracized when I start doing my depressed patent things like isolating myself and all these things. So just, I think, explaining to the person, kind of taking that leap of faith that they're going to want to be there for you. Um, And the thing is, if you do explain it to someone and they aren't there for you, it kind of is a perfect sign that it's the wrong relationship. But you do have to take that leap of faith and just hope that they can love you through that. It's really difficult. But I think a lot of the time, Joe is really appreciative that I do communicate that to him. And I let him be not a part of my depression because no one wants that. But I let him in on what's happening in my life. All right. So we're nearing the end of this episode right now. I wish I could answer all the questions because I got some really, really good ones. Y'all really like the relationship questions. And I have so much more to say on that. I'm going to bring back the Q&A episode pretty soon. Maybe I'll do a Q&A part two next week or something like that. The last question I'll answer is something I actually get asked a lot. And it's so random and self-indulgent. But uh, someone asked, what are my sun, moon, and rising signs? And because I get asked this a lot, I'll just uh, note this here. I will say I've never really been that huge into astrology. But lately, I feel like it just kind of makes sense in a lot of ways. I'm not too tied to it. But I also do think that my certain signs and stuff are pretty spot on in a lot of ways. So people can usually guess. So I'm a Capricorn sun. I actually am a Capricorn in like eight houses, which is apparently a very big deal. I've been reading up more on it lately. And honestly, it makes a lot of sense (laughs) for my personality. I am a Gemini rising, which unfortunately I think does make sense as well. And I'm a Leo moon. So unfortunately, I think that also makes sense. Joe is actually a Gemini. And at first I was like, yikes, like I've just heard bad things about Geminis. But the way it manifests in him and the way I've seen it manifest in a lot of men that I know who are Geminis, it's kind of cute. Like he just feels so many emotions and he's got very like little brother energy. He's the youngest of three by kind of a lot. And he just like is very like almost like childlike and playful and he will be like annoyed by something quickly and then that annoyance will subside really quickly. It's like it's just he's kind of funny in that way. And so far it hasn't been to the detriment of our relationship at all. I definitely don't react to things that much. So I need someone with like a little bit more emotion. (laughs) than me because he can be reactive, not ever like angry though, just like reactive, like offended or something like that. It's usually mostly a joke and he's mostly putting on a show and being dramatic, but yeah, he's a Gemini. I don't actually know what his other signs are, but I'm a Capricorn sun, a Leo moon and a Gemini rising. And I know so many people who listen to this podcast are Capricorns and that would make a lot of sense to me too. So I'm going to stop there for today. Again, thank you guys so much for sending in your questions. Also, I want to take a moment to thank y'all for any of the reviews that you guys have left on Apple Podcasts. They're so nice and just like so pure. And I think it's so amazing that anyone's even listening to this and much less reviewing it. Also, people DMing me on Instagram. I'm so sorry if I can't get to all of your DMs. You'll know my anxiety about going to my DMs sometimes. And like some people just ask me the dumbest fucking questions, which sucks because it makes me scared to go in there. And then I miss messages of like, just like beautiful, pure, lovely messages from people because I have so many people in my DMs, like asking dumbass questions or asking me for like, not following me and asking me for like the most extensive advice of all time. Like, it's just like rude in my opinion. (laughs) Why? If you don't follow me and you message me, I'm not messaging you back. I feel like I don't want to be in my DM so badly that if you don't follow me and you ask me a lot of me in a question, I'm just like, this is my excuse to not have to answer this. (laughs) Um, I also get a lot of spam in my DMs too. So it's just like so frustrating, but I do try to answer when I see them. And even if I do see them, you know, sometimes I don't have the chance to answer right away, but I'm just telling you guys, if you have DM me, and said anything kind about the podcast if it's resonated with you, it makes me so happy that you feel that way. And I am so happy that anyone can relate to anything that I'm saying. And I'm, I'm I can't imagine that I can help people like this, but apparently I can. And it it's just been such a gift and such a treat to connect with you this way. And if I don't answer your DM. I am so sorry. (laughs) You are very important to me. You're very important to the community that we're building here with NTS. And I'm just so thankful that you're here. And I'm so thankful that you keep listening. Uh, I'm thankful for any ratings and reviews. It's very, very helpful for my podcast. Uh, Come find me on TikTok at NTS pod. Come find me on Instagram at NTS by PS. And I will talk to you guys next week.